when I was um, discussing with Jason about what I should preach on this afternoon, um, he, he, he just firstly said to me, preach on what you consider um, that might be appropriate. But he also mentioned that he was doing a series on the Psalms. And he said, he even suggested that maybe I would like to do a psalm. So after much prayer and consideration, I did, I decided to do a psalm. And it's Psalm 127. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, this congregation celebrated its first anniversary. Well, then I thought it might be appropriate to talk about the building of God's temple. As most of you are aware, I am very new to this congregation and I was not involved in its beginnings. So in a way, I'm looking at this church like a, a beautiful little bird looking in the pane glass window of a, a warm, loving lounge room. So before I begin, let us bow our heads in prayer. Clearly, Lord... We never come to the Bible with a blank slate, but with the issues and concerns of our time. These issues help form the questions that we wish to ask from Scripture. Therefore, Lord, help us to listen carefully to what the Scripture has to say, even to the point of allowing it to modify our concerns and anticipated answers. Help us not to prejudice scripture by our own knowledge and values. This stills the voice of the Bible. Please, Lord, open our ears now to hear your sweet voice talking, as in a whisper, to our hearts. In Jesus' wonderful name, Amen. This psalm raises many interesting questions. I'm sure that there is a few of us here today that are building something and battling through that build. You might be building a business or a family or even trying to build a church here. Perhaps some of you might be trying to protect something important in your life. You want to watch over this precious thing and make sure nothing comes near how do you go about doing that? When you look at this psalm, perhaps you might recognise yourself as that person who rises early in the morning and then stays up late at night, burning candles at both ends. All you seem to do is work and toil, toil and work. And it seems that you're actually getting nowhere. You're labouring all day long, have a little bit of food at night, then go to bed and start all over again. You might, you might not be sleeping too well. Everything is on your mind. Burden is on your heart. You think, Lord, how am I ever going to get some sleep? Maybe you're here now thinking, man, you wouldn't believe the family I've got, the kids I've got. Well, they're a nightmare, and I can't imagine them being anything like the children mentioned in this passage. Well, I know about these things. I've had three children myself, and well, 
I can't imagine having a full quiver full of them, let alone a, <laughs> yeah, three of them was enough. Now, people, some people might actually know what a quiver is. Quiver is what uh, an archer used to use, and he used to sling on his back, a bit like a miniature golf club, uh, uh, golf bag, sitting on his back, and he'd put his arrows into it and he'd bring it out. Bit like a magazine on a, on a rifle these days, where you clip it in. But these, those days, they used to pick the, the arrow out and put it into the bow and, and fire it off. So he might have twenty arrows. I don't know how many they used to carry, but might have a lot of arrows. And then you might be thinking, I'm supposed to be building a family, and it's all supposed to be going right, and it's supposed to be wonderful. But honestly, Lord. I can't wait to shoot those arrows out from my bow and say goodbye to them. Maybe you're thinking a bit like that today, wondering if you were sitting at the gates, the gates of the city, where all the talk and the decisions are made, wondering if your kids would come to your defence. What type of story would they tell about your parenting? Now, all this is in... The context of a family, a home. Well then, now let's look at what Solomon said in the psalm. And Solomon wrote this psalm. In the Bible, under Psalm 127, is the heading, A Song of Ascents, of Solomon. Solomon wrote the psalm. And he knew what it was like to build a home and a ministry, the house of God. Solomon also cheekily put his name into the psalm to affirm that it was he indeed that wrote it. Verse Verse 2 reads, For he, that's God, gives his beloved sleep. His beloved is Solomon's name. When Solomon became king, God asked him what he would like. And uh, Solomon answered, Wisdom because he wanted to be wise in building his house. So God changed his name from Solomon to Jedediah, which means beloved of the Lord. My beloved is also throughout uh, the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, which Solomon also wrote. For example, in chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, it says, Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. So Solomon wrote this psalm, and he made sure he put his signature to it. Solomon It is Solomon who shares his wisdom in building a house. The the psalm is called the Song of Ascent because every year the people of Israel would travel to Jerusalem for the pilgrimage to the temple, the temple that Solomon built. Most would take the torch route from the south and it used to climb all the way up to the temple and the people sang various psalms on the way to meet their God, to meet with God, and this psalm was one of their favourites. This is a psalm full of covenant promises, a covenant God 
who meets his people, protects them, blesses them with children, and gives them rest by taking on all their burdens. And week after week, we come here to meet with God. But you, some people might actually think, is God really real? Does he protect me? Does he guide and provide for me? Can I sleep at night knowing God is, has it all under control? But we sing and rejoice in fellowship to meet God, like those pilgrims who sang the psalm. And when we sing that and sing in fellowship, we realise that, yes, God is a wonderful covenant God. Well then, let's, let's look at what the psalm meant to Solomon, as there is a lot of similarities in it to us as individuals as well as church fellowship. Solomon starts off with who builds the house. He tells us that unless the Lord builds the house. What's a house? It could mean a number of different things. It might mean a physical building. Solomon could be talking about the physical temple that he built, the house of the Lord. And he actually saw that God was in it. He saw the stones and the timbers and all the workmen around that his father, King David, gathered before he built it. And he prepared it and got it ready for Solomon. And he knew he was building something that God was intimately involved in and wanted built. House could also mean a house of a family, the house of Solomon. It's like the way we use the term now, the House of Windsor, for the Queen and her family. House could also mean a nation, the House of Israel. It is often mentioned in the Old Testament. Solomon could be talking about building a House of Israel, and God was adding to it and protecting them. Solomon talks about God building the house. And in, the, in this psalm, he's probably talking about all three things as the house. Before he became king, Solomon watched his older brother, Absalom, rebel against his father, King David, and take control of Israel. Solomon thought, well, where is God? Is he with David or is he with Absalom? And then he also started thinking, and is he with me? Of course, I was told I was going to be the next king. For months he watched and wondered. And at this time, King David himself was in exile. But Solomon soon came to realise that God was with David. Even though David was not actually in the physical house, God was with the house of David. Absalom's rebellion failed. And in the last few months of David's life, another of Solomon's brothers, Adonijah, set himself up as king. But Solomon's mum fronted David and said, Well, 
I thought you said Solomon was going to be king. King David said, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, God, God did say he was going to be the next king. So with that, Solomon was elevated to the position. And Adonijah, who had seemed so strong, completely fell away. God was not in building the house of Adonijah. He was in building the house of Solomon. Solomon knows what it's like to stand watch over the city of Jerusalem and knows that if God is not with them, the guards will be watching in vain. It's a bit like Babel in Genesis 11, where God said, Come, let us build a city and a tower together, and we'll make a great name for ourselves. And with this, they all united and set themselves to work. The irony is that wasn't before long that God said, Come, let us go down and see what they're up to. You see, God had previously told them to go out and cover the earth, but they ignored him. They weren't doing it. So God said, let us go down and confuse their language so they can no longer communicate with one another. God does one simple thing, God that is, and all the work is abandoned. They disperse. God was not in Babel. Many people try to build their own kingdoms and they put much work and effort into it. Verse 2 tells us that Solomon has seen people get up early and work all day long, go to bed late with little food and start again the next day. Other things are pushed out of their hearts. Their family, mealtimes and sleep are pushed out and pushed aside because the work's got to be done. They never rest. But God promises Solomon that he will give sleep to those he loves. And the word sleep in Hebrew has a deeper meaning, more like an overwhelming peacefulness in sleep. It's, we probably um, we know what it's like to wake up and still be tired after a night's sleep. But if God's in something, then we can go to bed at night and rest assured that we will rest and have a good, deep, deep, peaceful sleep. Now Solomon goes on in verses 3 to 5 talking about children. Now this actually seems a little bit disconnected when you think about it, but if you really do think about it, you can't have a home surviving and lasting for very long without adding people to your generations, to your home. It's pointless building if other people actually are not going to join in. And the best way to do that is by extending your family. And Solomon tells us that children are a heritage from God, that the offspring are a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, if you're going to build up a nation, then fighting is inevitable. Warriors give up their whole time building up the strength and reputation of a nation. Now, if you were in a battle and here you are up against the Incredible Hulk swinging a great huge sword around, 
your range of influence is only going to be the length of your arm and maybe how fast your feet can run. But if you have a bow and arrow and a whole quiver full of arrows, the range of your influence is dramatically increased. The control over the area vastly increases when you bring artillery into it. Well then, a warrior might see children as a noisy inconvenience. They get in the way. They are vulnerable. They need a lot of care and attention. Warriors might often think they can't start raising families when they have so much to do in building a house. But Solomon says, you've got it all wrong, fellas. If you're going to build a house and God is in it, children, as additions to the house, are very much needed. Children are a blessing from God. Don't think for one moment that children will take away from your life's dreams. Don't think by having children that God is not with you anymore. No, children are like those arrows in a quiver. And when it comes to the gate of the city, where the decisions are made and where the accusations take place, such as, what have you been doing for the house? Then you can show them your children and say, here are my children. They can testify to my investment in this nation. Solomon gives us great wisdom on how to build things and that children are involved in it. But what about us here today? Here we are. Unlike ancient Israel, we have no temple to go to. Nor are there any blood sacrifices. What about us? It's wonderful that Jesus is all we need. Jesus himself has been proclaimed God's beloved son. Remember at the transfiguration, his father's voice came down from the clouds saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is God's beloved son. He has built the temple and he, he even said to the people, if you destroy this temple, I will build it up again in three days. The Pharisees, though, they misunderstood what he was talking about and they said, well, hang on, he's talking about the physical temple. But Jesus was talking about his body and ha as he was hanging there on the cross, the temple of his body was being destroyed. But three days later, he rose again from the dead. Through his death and the resurrection, Jesus has redeemed and purchased himself a people. A people who came into a relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus, not by any other means. No need to sacrifice anymore, because Jesus is our temple. Through his own blood, he has dealt with our sin bought us life and a relationship with the Father. Now, paraphrasing from John 15 that Anthony read to us, Jesus says, If anyone listens to me and obeys me, 
I will come and make a home in you. I will send my spirit to be in you, and you will be in me. Well then, if you believe and trust in him, God's beloved son, we will become a home of God. God is building his spiritual home. In Jesus, all the promises of God find their fulfilment. We can now read this psalm with the glasses on of Jesus. People are his house. And he is doing the building and he is doing the protecting. We don't have to worry anymore about people coming back and coming to knock out down our walls because we are seated with Christ. We share in his triumphal procession and display in this fallen world what triumph and victory really look like. He is always protecting us because we bear his name and he will never allow his house to suffer. He is also feeding. We don't have to rise up early and stay up late and toil for food. Through the Bible, God shows his love and feeds us and speaks to us constantly. He rests us. We don't ever have to go to bed and worry. So we can't never worry and so we can't actually sleep properly. God has given us a great commission and that is to go out and preach the gospel. But he hasn't commissioned us to build the church. So we don't need to worry. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We can now lay down in peace knowing that God is for us. We also have a quiver full of arrows here. Physical children and spiritual children. God is bringing children into the church. It's God's spirit who convicts and saves people. We fellowship together and preach the gospel. We labour in this. God doesn't say don't labour. He says not to labour in vain. We're not to do our own thing. We labour with him, but it is really God who's doing the work. God brings people into his church. He saves. He adds to the quiver. He grows his church and he sends out from his church. Arrows are sent out from the bow to extend the range of influence of the kingdom of God. As a newcomer to this congregation, I want to ask some of the older members, people here have been here a bit longer, what are we building? What is before you that you're putting your effort into? What are you labouring into? You're probably sensing that you are building something very fragile and unpredictable. You may feel very vulnerable. Is God with it, with you or not? I'm sure you've been asking and praying this very thing quite often. 
let me ask you a slightly different question. Is the kingdom of God being built up in what's going on in this church? Are you building up and encouraging one another in Jesus? Are you holding fast and firm to the Spirit of God in what is being preached? Are you representing Jesus as a sweet smell and aroma to the society around you? If you answer yes to these things, then God is definitely with you. He's in it. Another question. Are you looking to protect the work at all costs? Are you labouring for the work of God in the right way or are you on tender hooks? Are you like the watchman over the city who sees every little disturbance as the enemy coming near? You see smoke. Is that the enemy burning their way towards us? Are you responding nervously, watching out and feeling maybe it's all in vain? Are you pouring all your energy into this church, hoping that it's going to produce something for the kingdom of God? Here is an if. If you are losing sleep and are on tender hooks, something somewhere is not right. It's not with God. You need to bring yourself before God and say, Lord, I want to let go of everything. I'm trying to be in control here. I just need sleep. I need to stop thinking that there's something around every corner. I trust you to grow your people and build your house. God, show me what you are building and I will put my gifts and abilities time and resources into these things, building your house. Question three. Are you worried about the number of people here and the lack of children? Don't be worried about the lack of numbers. The whole house of God got down to just 72 people at one point. That's when Jacob took his whole family into Egypt. They must have felt like they were in exile and they probably even felt they were not in the will or the promises of God. But God was with them and protecting them. He took them to Egypt so they could be fed. And don't worry about children. Verse 3 of the psalm tells us that children are from God. Now we're talking spiritual here. Children are of the Lord. They belong to him and are his. They come to us as a blessing. The spirit of children building up the church are of God. We do not need to be concerned that we are not producing any spiritual children. God will add to his people as he sees fit. In fact, we could even be blessed if God doesn't add for a period of time. It keeps us honest. It keeps us honest in our work and it keeps us honest in our reliance of God. We need to say, we will trust you, Lord, with our children because they are of you. They are your heritage, not ours. 
Are you worried that the quiver is not as full as you'd like? People come and go. Think about this. Perhaps some of the arrows have been sent out into the world already. This is not the only congregation that goes through these experiences. They all do. People leave the church for all sorts of reasons, good or bad. If you try to understand the motives and the motivations of people's heart, then you're going to fail and you're going to get it wrong and you're going to end up judging. Don't judge over your brothers and sisters in their motivations for leaving. Say instead, God, these are your arrows. You fire them out wherever you want them to go. If you want to fire out 20, 50, so what? God be praised. He has left a certain amount of arrows here, though, for his work. After all, it's his building. And when he needs to replenish his work, he will add to his quiver. He will not leave his people unguarded. Think about Gideon's army when God reduced their numbers to 300 to fight the might, tens of thousands perhaps, of the Midianite army. All that Gideon's army had was lanterns and horns. Why did God do that? And on on God's command, they broke open the lanterns and blew the horns. That's all God asked them to do. They won. The purpose was so that victory could be recognised as God's. The purpose, that's the purpose. And God, he, he might reduce the number of arrows in his quiver here for a time, but he will win. His kingdom will be built. The last thing I want to bring you is this. Building a house, a home, is a long-term investment You have to keep going. But there is a reward. God says, spend your strength you have in this generation. Don't neglect the the, um, the spiritual children. If he is adding to your numbers, then invest in that. And when things come to full maturity, you'll you'll be able to sit at the gates. And if anybody accuses you by saying something like this, what have you done for the kingdom of God? Surely you should be out there fighting all these spiritual battles we have at this time. What do you mean you spent all your time investing in this little part of vulnerability, ignorance and raising of this spiritual family here? Surely you should not have been worried about that. Surely you should have got into the fight. But you say... No, no, no. I have realised that raising a family is a long-term investment. Look, here is my testimony of what God has put before me. And this is what God has done with it. God will justify you. He will do this when you give yourself to the kingdom of God. So, please don't be discouraged. This is a message that I pray to God about in fellowship. God is building his house, his house.
He really is. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Give yourselves to his work, because you know your labour for God is not in vain. Amen. Let us pray. Teach us, O Lord, the discipline of patience, for we find that to wait is often harder than to work. When we wait upon you, you shall not be ashamed, but shall renew our strength. May we be willing to stop our feverish activities and listen to what you have to say, that our prayers should not be sending out of night letters, but true conversations with God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.